When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Tim Kirkshin's appearance on The Ride with Royce is brought to you by The Meadows at Mystic Lake. Experience perfection. Golf the Meadows. Part of the murderer's row of ball talk. It's baseball. Play ball. Here's ESPN senior scribe and storyteller Tim Kirkshin on The Ride with Royce. Tim Kirkshin is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com. I got to say this to you, Tim, before I forget. It's got to be fun working with uh, Eduardo Perez every week. I think that I I mentioned this to Buster the other day. Uh, The enthusiasm he brings for baseball and the personality is uh, pretty outstanding. It's tremendous, Pat. He's one of my favorite people of all time. And working next to him is a treat because he is so much fun. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He tells stories on the air like one year with the Indians, he came to camp and he forgot to bring his gloves, so he didn't have a glove. (laughs) Those are the kind of stories we get from him, but also, Pat, he can tell any pitcher who's tipping his pitches. Oh, really? He can predict in advance he's going to throw a slider here. He's going to say he's going to run on this pitch. It's amazing the stuff he can see because, among other things, Pete Rose grabbed him at, like, age in the dugout mm-hmm. he said, hey, if you're going to sit in the dugout during the game, you're going to watch the game. <laughs> down, and I'll show you what to look for. And he learned he learned how to look for things when he was six years old. And now that he's 46, man, he can see a lot of stuff. Well, that's great. And uh, he could, uh, he got a lot of time in the big leagues being able to hit left-handed pitching. I'll tell you that. Right. He used and to he, kill it. He's the He's the perfect analyst, Pat, because he understands how to be good, because yeah. at one point he was. He understands how to be bad, because <laughs> he was. He played in Japan. He was in the minor leagues a lot. He was a limited player, so he's got a full grasp of how things work, and he pounded left-handers for several years there. So, uh, Tim, our fighting twins took advantage of Tampa Bay's budget cutting by uh, getting Oda Rizzi, who's been very good, and uh, getting Logan Morrison, who has not been very good. And as of this morning, uh, Tampa's one game over and the Twins are six games under. Who took advantage of whom here? Well, that's a really good question. (laughs) You know, interestingly, one of the Rays guys whispered to me, and maybe he was just trying to justify it, that Odorizzi was their fifth starter going into this year. It may not have looked that way on the list, but he was their fifth starter. And... I found that interesting. Um, And, of course, Morrison hasn't done very well, and everyone praised the Twins as they should have for the moves they made. But just another reminder, Pat, when 
you start, you know, evaluating trades, you're going to have to give them more than two months to know if you won or lost them. But so far, the Rays have gotten the best of it, but there's still a lot of time to go. Uh, the Twins last year, Tim, hit 260 and uh, hit hit much better than that uh, in August and September. 235 as of this morning. Uh, last night, uh, they get a great game from Gibson. Uh, they get uh, they come to the bat. They come to the plate six times with a chance to go ahead in the game and extra uh, five times in extra innings, and they can't get a run off that Kansas City bullpen. That's uh, and they only got they only got Herrera for one of those innings. This team is really struggling with the bats. Yeah, well, I'm going to Eduardo and I are going to see the Diamondbacks on Monday. Ooh. Pat, they're they're hitting two twelve, two twelve. As a team, wow! So it's not—it's not just the Twins; it's everywhere. And we've been over this. <laughs> Pitching is spectacular these days. The velocity, the secondary stuff is all great, but it's also possible, Pat, more than likely, that with all these guys working on their launch angle, trying to get the ball up in the air, changing their bat angle, pitchers are recognizing this. They are throwing up in the strike uh, strike zone above the barrel of the bat. And not only are you getting them out, you're striking them out, but you're getting them out at an alarming rate. But don't forget, 1968, you're the pitcher. Yes. The American League hit 233 that year. <laughs> the yeah. Senators, my team that year, hit 213. So what we're seeing from the Twins is how the entire American League hit in 1968. And 213 as a team for the Senators, that's not too good either. Is that the year he has won the batting title at 301? Uh, somewhere in there he won the batting title yes. at 301. That is the year. And that was the year we had more one to nothing games, 82, than any season in history. And, Pat, we didn't have like as many, nearly as many teams as we have today. That was indeed the year of the pitcher in every way. Uh, they had a simple solution then. Uh, they lowered the mound five inches, and they added the DH a little later, but they lowered the mound five inches. There's no, there's nothing simple uh, as a solution right now. Well, there is a pad, and to me, the only solution for the too many home runs, too many walks, too many strikeouts is a major adjustment by our hitters to say, okay, I'm going to start to put the ball in play. I'm not going to strike out in this at-bat. And I think that is a really hard adjustment for guys who've been swinging the same way for years and years and years. And our pitchers have to get to the point where they say, I want this guy to hit it. I want him to put it in play. <laughs> they don't think that way. They think, I'm going to strike this guy out. Yep. I'm going to throw 100, and I'm going to embarrass him. And that's why the games last 307, and that's why 34% of all of our outcomes are walk strikeouts or homers. I was uh, watching a college game the other day. It might have been one of the Gopher games. They have a good team here, and they're hosting a regional and uh, in the Big Ten tournament. And uh, I was, and they, those games take forever. And I realized that everybody now tries to hit, make the perfect pitch. They don't try to hit the outer third or the inner third. They're trying to hit the outer eighth or the inner eighth. And that's not doable. I mean, the old day of trying to hit, you know, a third of the plate or even the outer half, that's, that's, that's gone. They're all trying to make the perfect pitch now. Right. And that's, again, why the walk rate and the strikeout rate are up. Pat, I did a game the other night, 3-0 pitch, guy threw a breaking ball on 3-0. 3-0! <laughs> and it happens 
not all the time, but more than you think. And I had a good National League hitter tell me the other day, I'm swinging on 3-0 all the time. He said, I've been in the league for 12 years. I didn't get a 3-0 hit until two years ago. And now I think swing 3-0 all the time because it might be the only time that I can get a fastball that I can handle because the velocity is so high. And, again, so many pitchers are out there thinking I have to make the perfect pitch because they're afraid they might give up a homer, but they also want to strike you out because I guess you get paid (laughs) to hit homers and strike people out. Hey, the whole Tampa Bay thing of uh, starting their relievers, I see we're already getting the grumbling from people that say uh, this is an attempt to uh, lower salaries. I I don't think it's that exotic yet for Tampa Bay. We'd have to see it happen a lot more places. But I was saying the same thing. If you completely de-evaluate the starting pitcher, you're going to save a lot of money. Well, that's exact. Look, that's part of what they're trying to do there because they can't compete financially, obviously, in that division with Boston and New York who just go out and buy whatever pitcher they want. So the Rays say, all right, we can't develop them as quickly as everyone, and we can't pay for them, so what's our alternative? Look, I'm okay with what the Rays are doing, and it seems to be working, at least lately. But this thought that every team <laughs> is doing this, that that's ridiculous. I just saw the Astros, and they have five starters who can strike out 14 guys in a game, you're not messing with that rotation. This is out of necessity for the Rays, not just financial, but every other necessity. But it seems to be working for a while. Uh, Tim Kirkson's with us, ESPN, ESPN.com. Tim, one of the great success stories in baseball through this, pretty much through this whole decade, the Milwaukee Brewers and the way they draw. The other night, uh, they, uh, you know, uh, Memorial Day. I think it was Memorial Day or the Sunday before, 42,000. Uh, they're, they're playing well, but even when they haven't played that well, their attendance has still been two and a half or more. It's uh, Ever since they signed CC, and even though they didn't keep them, that what we used to think, well, that's too small to be a great baseball town. It's been terrific. Right. I think it's always been a good mm. baseball town, Pat, but you remember County Stadium, yes. how cold that place <laughs> used to be in April and May. Oh, my goodness. Bill Spires told me we played a game on opening day. The windshield was like eight degrees. It was yep. absurd. But now it's a very comfortable place, and they've, they've got a very you know interesting and entertaining team there. It's like Craig Council told me in spring training, look, I'm really sorry we didn't make the playoffs. But we gave our fans a really fun team to watch for 162 games. And at least there is something to playing an entertaining brand of baseball. That's what they do. They seem to enjoy themselves playing. And I think that carries over to the fans who love the game and they love to see young guys enjoy playing the game. Midwesterners, uh, Tim, have a real fondness for drinking on asphalt, too. Uh, we, we don't have that here, but uh, they have it in Milwaukee. You know, you can see it if you go to a Packers game. Uh, they, they, you know, as much as they love the Packers, they might still be out drinking at halftime at the, on the asphalt. And they, the Brewers have that huge parking lot so people can go out there and they don't have to pay 10 bucks for a beer until the first inning, you know. Yeah, I don't uh, see too many, uh, you know, those in baseball because I'm always in the ballpark at that time. But in all my years, the best parking lot parties I've ever seen are in Milwaukee, 
and it's exactly right. It, the, the stadium and the place is built for it, and the, they know how to do it there. Well, you were at Met Stadium in the 70s. I don't know if you were ever here for fly-in weekend, though, that or camp-in weekend. Uh, some of our old friends from the media, we didn't see them for about two days when they went out to the camp-in. So that was that was a uh, that was a interesting uh, place too, Met Stadium. The, the Twins fans miss that for sure. Hey, one last thing, Twins, Buxton man. I I don't they they thought they had him cured last year. Uh, the last two months, pretty good. The numbers were okay. Uh, now it's it's uh, he's maybe worse than he was at the start of last season. It's it's really tough to watch. Just another reminder, Pat, how difficult this game is to play. And I had that discussion with him. You know, he's a great high school football player. We joked about all this because it was spring training. Sure, but I said, you, you know, in this sport. I said, you can go out there and, and feel like you've never played it before yes. when you have a bad night. And when you have a bad at bat, you know, you got to wait three innings to try to make up for it. Whereas in football, he said, you just go back to the huddle and say, I got beat on that play, but I'm going to hit somebody hard on this play. And all of a sudden, the slump's over. So I said, you know, and a slump can last, you know, it can last two or three days. And he looked at me and he smiled. Good for him and said, it can last two or three weeks. And then he paused again and he said, and some some slumps can last two or three months. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in one of those right now. Right. And he was talking about himself. He was talking about how the game works. That just when you think you got a few things figured out, somebody makes an adjustment and you're right back in the hole. Just and- speaking again to how difficult this game is to play and how it just drives guys crazy trying to play it well. Tim, uh, he's 25 now, so it's not you can't say a young guy anymore. But you can see, and we've seen it a hundred times or a thousand times, when a guy like that who isn't 100 percent sure of himself gets in a slump like this, he's guessing at every pitch, and he's taking, you know, he's he says, okay, they're going to throw me a breaking ball here, and then he takes a fastball, and then he then he thinks he's going to get a fastball and waves at a, you know, is way late waving at a breaking pitch it's uh you can just see his guessing at every pitch yeah i'm telling you pat i've, I've written this story a hundred times dante bichette went to the ballpark every day he told me in the prime of his career wondering is today <laughs> the last day that i'll be able to hit in the big league he asked himself that every day maybe that was his motivation but he actually thought that every day is the day it's over i can't hit anymore whereas no great nba jump shooter except for maybe all of the Rockets, go to the arena saying, I can't make a three-pointer tonight. It just doesn't work that way in the other sports. Well, we might see him up here this uh, summer because his kid's playing over here with the St. Paul Saints. So, uh, Dante. Hey, that'd be great. Uh, Dante Jr. Hey, Tim, thanks for your time, sir. Okay, Pat. See all you. right, the great Tim Kirkjian. We shall return the ride with Royce. You're on the ride with Royce. Guys, where are we? On 1500 ESPN. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Travis feeling it right now and has nine of the last 11 for Stanford. Travis found it. He goes up and lays it in. Reed Travis has taken over and Stanford is within two. Long rebound right to Travis. Second try. Got it. 
Uh, the uh, great uh, De La Salle basketball player, Reed Travis, has uh, become a graduate at Stanford. So that means he hit the books, right? Stanford University. Yes. And uh, he's going to transfer. Uh, he had registered for the NBA draft, but all signs point to him backing out of the NBA draft and signing with the Kentucky Wildcats. So now he'll uh, put those books away. Uh, yeah. He, well, hey, Carl Anthony Towns. That's no, guys, that's true. Very good guy. point. Very good. A lot point. of them, uh, you know, a lot of them don't fit the stereotype anymore. Just certainly, stay eligible. Certainly have more scholarly one and dones than Duke, but uh, any, you know, I mean, and no a lot more than North Carolina. Uh, uh, but Reed Travis went out there, Stanford. Now Johnny Dawkins got fired, right? Wasn't, yes. And who's coaching there now? I think. Uh, Jared, Jared, uh, what's his name? Hasi, Hasi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's is All he right. a Stanford guy? I've never heard of him before. I thought he was a Cal guy. Oh, I, I, I don't. I've never heard of him. He was from some mid-major school, I mm-hmm. think. But uh, Reed Travis had a real good career at Stanford to the point he was all. Uh, first team all packed all pack twelve this year, averaged nineteen and a half points a game and eight point seven rebounds. Shot fifty two point seven percent from the field, uh, and uh, he's had double figures his whole career. As in his junior year, he was seventeen point four, eight point nine, and shot fifty seven point nine percent. So he got redshirted out there his first year. Did he miss a year with injury? Um, uh, I don't know. It's at a junior so year. So is he a? Did I, I forgive me if you mentioned this, Pat? But did, did you say he's already obtained his degree, or does he have to sit out? Well, he's going to be a graduate transfer. Okay. I, I wonder okay. if he got injured because I'm looking at his his numbers now. In the 15, 16 season, he only played in eight games. Okay, so he must have gotten got hurt. And they gave him a medical redshirt or something. Uh, but of course, uh, vilified far and uh, high and wide uh, on uh, Gopher Hole and other outlets when he chose to go to uh, to uh, Gopher Hole. Cheap the, shots in it, one shot. He was he was the big the big class of Ty, it was Tyus him, Tyus, him Rashad and, Vaughn I think was, Rashad was Vaughn, part of that went group too. Three on those guys yeah. and we're very although wow. Rashad Vaughn had already gone out the Las Vegas. Think of that. Tyus has already been in the league for what three, three years, years right? Three years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's starting to find his game too. He's uh, he's just blowing guy by guys no problem. Anyway, Reed Travis uh, decided that there wasn't a lot of business to be done. In the NBA, uh, they weren't they're probably going to get drafted until the second round. So he's going to go to Duke. I mean, go to Kentucky, try to win a national championship because they're getting actually they didn't lose as many guys right this year, right? Because no. they're freshmen. They were supposed to have this great freshman class, and they did not blossom like they were well, supposed yeah, to. They the, were the, f- the Knox kid. Kevin Knox is going to get drafted, I think, somewhere in the lottery. They were an early exit, too, right that. in the tournament? didn't Because they, they didn't make it to the Sweet 16, did they, this last I year? I don't think well, they had so. a, uh, They had a really ordinary year. Yeah. Yeah. Then they had a tournament run, right? They had a tournament run in, in the in the. SEC tournament. I mean, I think they made it to the finals, or they won, or something. I think they did win the. Yeah, they did win the tournament. Yeah, because they they beat my Vols in the in the mm-hmm. championship That's game right. of the tournament. Yeah. You know what Sid used to do back in the day? Uh, he'd uh, hire uh, Adolph Rupp to come in and help uh, with training camp when he was the Kentucky coach with the Lakers. I think uh, I think Tibbs ought to bring in Cal for a little summer mini camp with his big men. Might help his with relationship his with uh, with That's right. yeah with Cat. Yeah, That's good. Cal next next Timberwolves coach. The fixer strikes again. The fixer Calipari, <laughs> the next Timberwolves coach. Him. How's that? All right, we'll be back.
avoid distracted driving. Keep your full attention on the ride with Royce. I gotta admit, this is for uh, a certain taste. You're just gonna have to put up with it. 1500 ESPN. There is Mr. Reavers. Thank you, Patrick. This report is sponsored by Account Temps. Do you need accounting and finance professionals for long-term or recurring projects? If so, Account Temps salary professional service may be the right solution. Visit AccountTemps.com. Account Temps is a Robert Half company. We do have breaking news this hour uh, from the Minnesota Twins. They have placed Byron Buxton on the 10-day disabled list and have recalled starting pitcher Aaron Sleggers from AAA Rochester. Apparently that that foot injury is still uh, problematic for the outfielder. The Duke Meister was just up here and mm-hmm. said he's uh, be- apparently been playing with a lot of pain, according to his sources. So. And uh, now, and, and it's been a lot of pain to watch, too. Yes, so, it has. Yeah, so we've we've shared the pain. If it's still broke, that that means he's going to be he'll be on the shelf for a while, then, mm-hmm. right? Most likely, cut the damn thing off. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but no. when your main attribute is speed, I don't yeah, think well, cutting off idea. a foot is a good that idea. That might be a bad idea. <laughs> now, in retrospect, you maybe don't want to cut it. Off. In fact, when you're going to when he, when you've got a team that's going to win seventy one games anyway, who gives it? Manny might be right after all. Yeah. Your, your prediction. <laughs> yeah, I predicted that they wouldn't get to 70 wins, yeah. so who knows. Uh, Major League Baseball scoreboard. Milwaukee beat St. Louis 3-2. Three, three to two. Cleveland beat Chicago 9-1 to one earlier today. Boston all over Toronto 6-4. to four. And right now, in the top of the ninth inning, Cincinnati is beating Arizona 7-4. to four. And whoever's at the plate for uh, Cincinnati right now just tried to send that last pitch to Glendale. Uh, Scooter Jeanette, the powerful Scooter Jeanette. I don't know if it is or not. Hey, update on our buddy Demarius Randall. Yes. Demarius Randall uh, at 10.58 p.m. May 28th. Very excited two days ago yep. when his Golden State Warriors advanced to the finals. <laughs> he tweeted out, if the cle- uh, on at Randall time. Mm-hmm. And keep in if, mind, he now plays for the Browns. Yes, so he's in town. If the Can- Cleveland Cavaliers win the 2018 NBA Finals, I buy e- I'll buy everyone who retweets this a jersey. About four or five hours ago, I saw this story. So we've uh, we're at 1 o'clock, 10 o'clock Eastern, 2, 30, 26... 40 hours later, mm-hmm. it's been retweeted 777,140 oh times. Ooh, ooh. If he keeps his promise, he would spend $77.7 million. <laughs> He don't make that much no. as a cornerback. Uh, and he said... <laughs> I honest he tweet he said honestly I thought I'd get a hundred retweets he said wow. and asked if he plans to keep his promise he says we'll talk about this after the series is wow. over uh, he also uh, there's some rumors that he will make a charitable donation and uh, can you see him outside of like if the Cavs take a three games to two lead he's, I might have to take out LeBron to save myself 77 I, million bucks I definitely didn't think the Cleveland fad, fan base would go this crazy about it Randall said that's obviously it is a joke just to know how passionate this fan base is is really encouraging. No, they're going to threaten you if yes, you don't fill it up. But I think it's probably unfeasible to expect a marginal quarterback, cornerback, to come up with eighty million dollars. So anyway, yeah. 
That was a that was a that was oh, a bad mistake. That was one of my Demarius, but it is. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, Twitter can get a person in trouble. Ask Roseanne Barr; she just blew yes, that much money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. So uh, anyway, un- unbelievable. Uh, twins, uh, no Buxton. That means my guy Ryan Lamar will get a little more playing time. I suppose Kepler and Center and Swifty Gonzalez Grossman and right field. I'm sick of that act. Yes, I've had enough. Well, and it doesn't it doesn't make a ton of sense to put Grossman in the outfield when both Rosario and Kepler are hitting left-handed pitching this year. And if Grossman's only hitting like two twenty right now, which is I think where he's at, what's there's no point. Pat was on with Phil and Judd. I the the stat that Mackie threw out there just floored me. And I know he's been hurt this year. The Buxton stat. Buxton has been on base seventeen times in twenty seven games. That's that's. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised no. the twins haven't hired you, Chris. <laughs> you know, Kenny, that's a great point. You're, you're pretty smart. All right. We shall return. Joe Micheletti setting up tonight's Slush Bowl in Las Vegas. Uh, game two of the uh, Stanley Cup final. Time now for a live traffic update. Traffic coming up. Let's get our forecast. Now in the ride with Royce. Traffic and weather. Traffic and weather together. The same with MnDOT and me. Boy, they could learn a thing or two if they put me uh, on the payroll. Hoo-wee, I'd straighten that organization out, wouldn't I? I know everything. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this one's sponsored by Firestone Complete Auto Care. Westbound 62, normal in South Minneapolis. Jam from the window to the wall between Hiawatha and that single lane at 34th. Northbound 100, 494 to 394, about 15 minutes, but a really quick 11 minutes more up to 694. Uh, speaking of which, both directions of 694 between 100 and W hovering right around that 13-minute mark. And yeah, you're right, that is better than usual. Firestone Complete Auto Care, keeping cars running newer, longer. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. Showers in 65 tonight. It's 73 right now. Joe Micheletti is uh, with us. He'll be doing the game on uh, radio tonight uh, between uh, Vegas and Washington. Joe, uh, not even the Region 7 final at the uh, Hibbing Coliseum in the 1960s and 70s could equal the pregame at Vegas, I wouldn't say. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, let's, not, let's, let's not go that far. Man. That's right. But, uh, it, it is, uh, it's been quite the spectacle uh, out here in Las Vegas. And you know, I've been fortunate that, uh, that, I, that I worked their previous two series as yeah. well for NBC, so... Uh, so I've gotten the uh, the full effects of the way they do things out here and the and the city and it's really an it's an unbelievable story. Of course, everybody knows that, but to, to be around here and to see the enthusiasm <laughs> of the city uh, and even the ratings the other night, uh, you know, forty four percent of the television sets in Las Vegas wow. watched that game, and so uh, the enthusiasm of the people, the the building itself, the presentation that they put on. Uh, it's it, everything has just worked uh, so extremely well for Vegas, and and uh, and they just keep going. I mean, the, the game the other night, both teams, Pat thought that um, that they uh, that they didn't play very well. Yet, as Vegas has done throughout, they found another way to win. Uh, the one thing we forget is there is a city that surrounds the Strip. Now, even though the uh, the uh, 
you know, the, the arena is on the strip. There's a lot of people out there that aren't spending their whole life gambling that uh, are looking for other kinds of entertainment, and they've discovered it with this hockey team. Yeah, most of them, actually. The uh, the, par- the practice facility that they built, which is just, uh, just beautiful, um, is about a, a 20 or 25 minute drive from downtown, you know, from the strip. Yes. And, uh, it's up, it's out in Summerlin and that's where the players live. Nobody lives downtown here mm-hmm. on the strip. They all live out. Uh, most of them live out in Summerlin and it's, it's a gorgeous area. The schools are good. It's a, it's a, you know, fairly new, uh, area. There's beautiful golf courses. As I mentioned, the practice facility, uh, you got the beautiful red rocks. So there's hiking. There's, uh, there's everything that you want. Uh, out there, and they they really, for the most part, unless you want to gamble, uh, they they spend most of their time out in Summerlin. So, uh, so they they've done it right. They built the practice facility in a in a beautiful spot, and uh, you know, and again, it's uh, you know, you go to these practices, Patrick. It's really something to see uh, <laughs> where they practice. Uh, it holds a couple thousand people. And these practices are full of people. Yeah, I, I saw. Mean, they're they're just they're jammed, and and uh, when there's a goal scored or a great <laughs> save or an excellent play, you know, they they give uh, ovations, sometimes standing ovations during uh, during so practice. Special during practice, huh? They're doing that during. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Joe. Uh, every time I watch this team, I say, you know, going back to the middle of the season, they're faster than the other guys. They have to me. They have a speed advantage. Uh, uh, it, maybe it's just that they want to play faster, but they just look really fast. You know, you know what they do, Patrick. They play at an at an incredible high rate of speed with and without the puck. And and without the puck is something that uh, if you you watch you know the first game closely, Washington just couldn't find. A, couldn't find any room through the neutral zone. Every time they got the puck, there was someone right on top of them. And uh, and we had a chance. Uh, Kenny and Albert ta- and I talked to uh, George McPhee, their general manager, the other the other day. And you know, he was telling us about about what their thinking was when they when they built this team. And and it was uh, to make sure that they had a, a team that could really skate. They wanted a, a team with speed, and they wanted a team with character. And, and so, you know, so you watch his team play and even the other night, you know, their fourth line turned out to be, you know, the, the best line and they score the, the final two goals of the game for them. So throughout the lineup, they've got speed throughout the lineup. They've got, uh, they've got character. And, uh, and in talking to the Washington players yesterday at practice, you know, they said, listen, we can't fool around with the puck through the neutral zone. When we don't have a play, we got to get it in and go after it. That's how they scored their goals. So that's the one thing they're going to try and improve on tonight is uh, is the, the number of giveaways that they had between the two blue lines was uh, way too many for their liking, and they're going to try and change that tonight. Joe Micheletti's with us. Uh, someone was explaining to me, and it took a long time for somebody to finally explain it to me, that the thing that the Vegas has going for it is they might not have gotten the other team's best players, but they didn't get their worst players, and they're you know one through four. They get down to the bottom, of the third, fourth line. They're better than the other guys because they well, they got good players. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if that's true right. or not. And Patrick, it's not only true, but the other thing that has happened with this team uh, throughout the regular season and the playoffs is that you can go past those the fourth line. And look at the players that are healthy scratches, mm-hmm. because those have been players that have been good enough to play, 
And uh, and over the course of the regular season, and they added a few at the trade deadline, but over the course of the regular season, you know, this has been a team that's, uh, you know, they've just put in a healthy scratch that's been sitting out, and the healthy scratch has jumped into the lineup and gotten the job done. So it's not only four lines deep, but it's actually uh, more than that because of the, the other players that have contributed as well. And you look at a player, you know, like uh, like Ryan Reeves uh, yeah. you know, the other night <laughs> and, and in the playoffs. I mean, this was someone that when they traded for him at the deadline, he didn't have a goal in, say, the final 22 games or so or 26 games for them. And uh, then he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs until William Carrier uh, injured himself. And that gave him the opportunity. He jumps in, and now they can't get him out of the lineup, even though Carrier is you know, getting uh, getting healthier. But there's no chance of Ryan Reeves coming out of the lineup because of the way he's played. And that's been part of the theme of this team all season. And when they picked him up, I suppose everybody said, ah, they wanted to get a fighter. They wanted to get a tough guy, and uh, now he's scoring goals. And, and also, him, right. he's willing to fight for you if you want to. So uh, when you were uh, playing high school hockey, St. Cloud probably didn't even have uh, high school hockey, or they were just getting started again. How do you like the Nate Schmidt kid? Yeah, he's, he's, he's terrific. He is. Uh, he's really been special. I mean, that's a, you know what happened to him is that Washington thought that Vegas was going to take the backup goaltender Philip Grubauer. Yes, and and uh, and instead they took Nate Schmidt. And so then, as soon as that happened, uh, Washington uh, Brian McClellan and people in yeah. Minnesota know Brian. Uh, he made a, he made a phone call to George McPhee and said, "We want to make a deal to get Nate Schmidt back." And and what George did was that he said, "Okay." So he gave them a proposal that he knew that they would not accept because everybody in the organization with Vegas really liked Nate Schmidt, and, and certainly George did too because he's the one who signed him as a free agent when George was the, the general manager in Washington. So he gave a proposal to Brian McClellan that was so high that he knew that McClellan would say, no, we can't give up that much to get him back. And now, as it turns out, you look back, you know, seven months or so, eight months or so, and he's on their number one uh, pairing on defense. He leads them a nice time in the playoffs. He's on their second power play unit. He plays against all the other team's top players. Uh, you know, we know he can skate. He's one of the best skaters in the game. And so that's been another one of those pickups where people thought, well, he was in and out of the lineup with Washington the last few years. But here he is. You, there's no chance that he come out of the lineup now. And there's He's arguably their best defenseman. And there was a team that lost uh, lost a real good player by not trying to do anything. The teams that really seemed to get in trouble were the teams like the Wild and the Florida, which tried to make these deals with McPhee and ended up giving them two good players instead of losing one. Well, and draft picks. I mean, you look yeah. at Columbus as an example. Oof. They give up William Carlson. Oof. William Carlson last season had six goals. He has 43 <laughs> this year. Plus and seven in the playoffs. him up. Yeah, not only not only did they give him up, but they also gave uh, Vegas a first round pick and a second round pick <laughs> at, to take William Carlson, so they wouldn't take one of their other players. <laughs> and uh, William Carlson is uh, showing he's one of the best two way centers in the game. So how does uh, that so, happen, so would, Joe? Would, how does that happen? Well, would, how, how do you go from yeah. six to forty three beyond playing time? How does that happen? Yeah, you know he was he was kind of in and out of the lineup with uh, with Columbus. He, they weren't using him as a top six forward, which means that you're not going to get power play time. Uh, he played the wing a little bit, 
uh, when he when he had the scoring drought and he was only playing 12 minutes a game, 13 minutes a game. Then they sent him down to the minors, and it was you know so. Um, he he was a guy that may, maybe just needed a, a change of uh, change of address, but uh, the, you know he's he really worked hard in the off season the last three or four seasons, and and now he's just uh, he's turned out to be a marvel in uh, in Vegas. Joe, your uh, number one job is uh, analyst for the uh, New York Rangers. Uh, they hired a college guy from uh, Boston U, uh, a young fella named Quinn. That'll be an interesting uh, pot boiler for him when he comes in and takes on the New York media after I, I'm sure he wasn't harassed too much at Boston U by the media. No, I don't I don't think he was harassed at all. <laughs> yes. uh, no, it'll, no, it'll be interesting. I like to hire because, you know, I think that there are an awful lot of really good college coaches that over the years haven't gotten as much of an opportunity. And I was really happy that Jim Montgomery – uh, yep. got the opportunity as he left, you know, he leaves the university of Denver to, to, uh, to, to be the head coach in Dallas. And I knew uh, Jimmy a little bit because my son actually hired Jimmy, uh, gave Jimmy his first head coaching oh, job really? in Dubuque, Iowa in the USHL. And, uh, and, uh, they won two championships in three years there before Jimmy moved on to, uh, to Denver. And I remember, uh, uh, earlier this season, um, when uh, when the Rangers played Calgary, I had a conversation with Johnny Goudreau, and Johnny Goudreau was on one of those championship teams in Dubuque, and I asked him about Montgomery, and he said, he said he's the best coach I've ever played for, uh-huh. and uh, and so he's really thought of highly by the players. He's a smart guy, and I think Quinn's the same way. You know, he's uh, he, you know, and again, he's familiar. There's some familiarity with Minnesota because he was the 13th overall pick uh, back in the early '80s with uh, with the North Stars, and. Uh, and because of some health issues, uh, he couldn't play. So he's been a he's been a lifelong coach. He's coached a lot of good players uh, and communicates well and a good teacher. And that's what they were looking for for the Rangers, a team that you know is getting younger and uh, and are kind of in the middle of a uh, I don't know if it's a full rebuild, but uh, they're making a lot of changes for sure. Hey Joe, uh, both the NHL and uh, top level of college hockey, it's amazing. Uh, there's uh... The, the the level of equality is incredible. Every game's three to two. You might you know Duluth got into the uh, uh, NCAA tournament by one one thousandth of a point on pairwise, and they end up winning it. It's everything is so close now in hockey. Oh no, it really is, and that, you know, and that's another good example. Scott Sandlin, yep, uh, who has done such a marvelous job there with uh, with UMD. And uh, and he's you know he's been on the radar of some uh, some uh, pro teams as well because of the job he's done and of course you know he he does have a professional background he played for Montreal so um, you know so he's done just a tremendous job in Duluth with that uh, with that program and again I it wouldn't surprise me that if he wants it that sometime uh, down the road. He'll make his way to the NHL as well. Uh, Joe, uh, one last question. Any, any lake time on the range this summer? Or any fishing, camping, anything this summer? Or we, we're not well, going to see you back home. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get home. Um, in mid-August, my niece is getting uh, oh, okay. uh, is getting married in, in the Twin Cities. So, so we're all going to gather there. And when that happened, my wife said to me, she said, uh, you know what? You're all getting up there. Why don't you? Why don't all you brothers, you know, get together and and have a little family reunion? Because we haven't done that for a while. It seems like, 
The only time we do it is uh, for a wedding or uh, something you know, worse. We lost a sister three yeah, years ago. Yeah. My sister Jean died of cancer three years ago. And so there's eight of the nine of us uh, still together. My wife said, you know what? You guys should do this. And so, so I said, what a great idea. So I, you know, sent an email to everybody and said, uh, let's, let's get together. So, <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to go to the wedding in mid August and then we're all going to get together up in Northern Minnesota and spend a little time together. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, that, uh, it's, it's just so much fun for us to all get together. So that'll be a hoot. That'll be a hoot nanny. That'd almost be worth covering. <laughs> well, we don't want anybody to cover it. That's the problem. I can tell anybody where we are because that, that would be, you know, there's too much social media. These days. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's all right. Get in trouble. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your time, Joe. It's great talking to you. Uh, Patrick, always a pleasure. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Thanks. Uh, the great Joe Micheletti and, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty close with Pat. I think I could get an invite. All right. We'll be. Did you see, by the way, uh, Pat uh, celebrated the third uh, birthday of his kidney the other day. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. He got about. it from one of his brothers. So, uh, And he says he always thanks his brother because he's alive because of that kidney. So That's, that's a pretty good, good. Yeah, that's a pretty that's good thing to hang over your brother's you know, head. Yeah. You, don't have to, you don't have to worry about sending the birthday card when you've given the guy a kidney. All right. <laughs>